There is an, uh, a warning that Paul gives us in 2 Timothy. It's, I think, interesting. It's, 2 Timothy is one of the last books that Paul wrote. It's towards the end of his life. He's had all of these decades of ministry and looking at people and life and how things are going. And he says some sort of startling things there. He's advising Timothy, who's a young pastor, and Paul's trained him and mentored him. And Paul says, Timothy, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There's a picture that Paul gives us of what is going to come as our world becomes increasingly broken. The truth is no longer what people are going to be interested in. They won't put up with sound doctrine. It's not even the issue. Is it true or not? That's not what's important. That what is going to be driving people are their desires. What they want, what feels good, what, what, what desire they have. And what they're going to do is gather around them anybody who will say what they want to hear. And of course, Paul makes that phrase that's become famous, what their itching ears want to hear. I got to thinking about that. What would that look like today? But we sort of joke about that. People tell you something you don't want to hear, and it's like, you don't, no, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. And you just keep doing that until they say what you want to hear. And then you say, oh yeah, I got that. Maybe that's sort of what Paul's thinking about. What I thought about in getting ready for this sermon is how much that warning of Paul's describes the world we live in today. Where a culture openly says there is no such thing as truth, doesn't matter. We each get to pick our own truth. We get to decide what is true for me, and it may not be true for you. That fits exactly the first part of what Paul says. And of course, the second thing that Paul talks about is that people will be controlled by their desires. That's what will be most important to them, way more important than truth. We want to talk a little bit about desires today, because Solomon has something to say about them. We live in a day that says our desires are the secret to happiness. That if I have these desires, then I should meet them, because that's how you are happy. And nobody should tell you no to your desires your desires are what's right for you. If I really want something, I, I need it. It's not just a want, it's a need. And in that whole process, we have stopped filtering our desires. There's few, if any, boundaries left in life. It's just whatever I choose to want, those are my values, my boundaries, what's right for me, and you'll have some others, but that's okay. Our boundaries are set by our desires. The problem is that's not working too well, is it? I think we would all agree our culture is becoming increasingly broken. People are becoming increasingly broken, searching for meaning and worth and relationships while we follow our desires. 
I guess it shouldn't surprise us that Solomon gives a warning about desires. We've been looking, I've called this Proverbs for Parents, but it's principles from Solomon in the book of Proverbs that our kids are probably never going to learn anywhere else. Principles we need to understand because they're true. Whether we like them or not, whether they're popular or not, they're true. Paul has a warning for us, I mean Solomon has a warning for us. First of all, in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you think about self-control, what is that? Self-control is my ability to say no to some desires I have. That really is what self-control is. Of saying no to what I shouldn't do and saying yes to what I should do is one of the simplest definitions of self-control. Even if it's something I desire, if I know it's not right, if it's not what I should do, self-control is the ability to say no to it. That some desires need to be controlled, not all desires accepted and met. In Proverbs 19.3, Solomon says, A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. I, I put that in there because Solomon is honest enough to say, there's a lot of times that our ruin is the result of our own folly, our own choices, our own decisions, but what do we want to do? We want to blame everybody else. In this case, we want to blame God. Or we want to blame somebody else rather than realizing the problem is me. There's some desires in me that I didn't control, some choices I made, some things I did, and that's what's led to my ruin, my folly. But it's easier to rage against God or somebody else and just blame them. The reality that Solomon wants us to see is that our desires can be dangerous. That we may want certain things, certain things may feel good, that in fact will actually hurt us, damage those around us, destroy relationships, destroy our future. All because of desires. And the reality that Solomon wants us to see is that if our desires control us, we have lost control. We're no longer in control of our own lives if our desires have been allowed to take control. Now this doesn't mean that all desires are wrong. Please hear that. And Solomon wouldn't say that. The reality is God created us with emotions. God created us with desires. And some of the desires we have are extremely healthy. And they're good and they're appropriate. And we should seek to satisfy those desires because they will lead us to true joy. So what that leaves us with is a reality that we have to face. And that reality is that we have to evaluate our desires. Which brings us to Solomon's word, self-control. Evaluating our desires is determining what should I say yes to, what is appropriate and healthy, and what should my self-control lead me to say no to. So my life isn't like a broken down walled city. 
because I have no self-control. My desires are in control. To me, those are the things we need to teach our kids and we need to help our kids wrestle with. How do we filter our desires to determine those which are appropriate and healthy and those which are wrong? Well, there's an obvious filter for us. Solomon talks about it in Proverbs 11. The, the righteousness of the blameless makes their paths straight. But the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Let me read that last verse again. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. You get the picture from Solomon that there are those things which we can know are right. Righteousness. Those things which are right and appropriate and good. And those are in contrast to those evil desires. But it's not left to us to just figure that out. We can learn that. We can learn that which is good and right and wholesome. And that list, if I can call it that, will help guide us into filtering my desires. Is this something which is right and good? Then I can do that desire. And if it's not right and good, then I need to be careful that this might in fact be an evil desire. And be harmful and destructive. One more verse from Solomon 19.2 Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? I like that last one. Don't be too quick. You're going to miss the right path. But he builds that on. Desire without knowledge is not good. We need that sense of what is right. A measuring stick to evaluate our desires. Is this something I should dwell on? Should I allow it in my life? Should I focus on it? Is that okay? These people take me in this direction, these friends or this situation. Is that an appropriate place, a good place to go? Or does my measuring stick tell me that's not where I need to be? That's not something I should dwell on or spend time in or watch or whatever. We need that kind of truth to help us. And of course that's a big piece of what God's Word gives us. As we look in God's Word, as we spend time there, as we read scriptures, we start to see there are some clear lists of what is good and right and pleases God and what is not good and right and does not please God and what in fact will lead us in the wrong direction. Put us in a place where we are vulnerable to doing wrong. Fortunately, we have some help in this whole process. And that is, for me, one of the most encouraging things. And for that, we need to go over to the New Testament. Because, first of all, Paul is very honest for us in what a struggle it is to filter our desires. 
In fact, I don't think we should be surprised that we live in a culture where desires are dominant. Because desires are extremely powerful. And, and Paul talks that they are, at fact, at war in us. And Paul is writing this as, as an apostle. I mean, I think a lot of us would say, in the Hall of Fame of great Christians, Paul would be up there in the top of the list. And what I'm always encouraged by, in a sick kind of way, is that even Paul, this great apostle, this great Christian, is still facing that fight, that battle with desire. In verse 15 of Romans 7, he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate, I still do it. He sees that battle inside him with his desires. Then down in 18 and 19. For I know that good itself doesn't dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And more than anyone else in the Bible, Paul lays out for us this concept that even as Christians who love Jesus and want to follow God, want to follow Christ, we are still faced with this conflict in us because the reality is we all have this sinful flesh, this sinful nature that still remains in us as imperfect humans. And so there is this battle, this war going on inside us between these good desires to follow Jesus and to do what is right and these desires that drag us down into places we don't want to be. And we know we don't want to be there. But we still end up there. I can't imagine any of us who hasn't been in that situation. And we say, why did I do that? Why did I eat that? Why did I buy that? Why did I go there? Why did I come here this evening? And we all say, what was I thinking? And we, it's like this, we wake up and like, how did I get here? And in our calmer moments, we say, there is no way I will ever do that again. And we do. There's no way I'll ever go there again, and we wake up and we're there. And Paul saw that in himself and said, that's this war going on in us with these desires. Solomon says, we've got to deal with self-control, or we're like a city whose walls are broken down. There's no defense. There's no security. The walls are broken. And Paul saw that same thing in himself. The good news is that Paul understood that we're not alone in this battle. As Christians, we have help with this battle. And that, to me, is the encouraging word for us today. Paul speaks a lot about it in Galatians 5. There's a whole long passage there. We won't read it all, but... In verse 17, Paul says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Notice that description of desire at the end of verse 17. 
We're not to do whatever we want to do, whatever we desire. Because it is coming out of this conflict. But the, the hope that Paul gives us is the help that is there for us. It's not just my spiritual nature who wants to follow Jesus and my sinful flesh who has desires that are wrong for me. It's not just that. If I'm a Christian, I also have God's Spirit in me to help. And that Spirit is going to be speaking with that good part of me that wants to follow Jesus and wants to be God's child and honor Him. And that Spirit is going to be helping me, that part of me, fight against that other part of me that Satan wants to speak to and whisper in my ear and say, sure, Jim, do that. And the help that I find is in the Spirit. The verse before that in verse 16, Paul said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do I say no to those desires that I have in me? I wish they'd go away, but they don't. How do I say no to those? Through the Spirit's help. That walking by the Spirit being aware of the Spirit's presence, talking to the Spirit, and saying, Spirit, I need your help with this. One of the quickest cures is to have a little heart-to-heart -heart with the Spirit. Spirit, do you think I ought to do this? You'll know the answer instantly before the words are spoken. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't go there. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't make this phone call. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't go to this channel. And it takes a moment. And the Spirit's like, yep. Don't do that. And helps us as we fight those desires in us that are not good and not appropriate. Walking by the Spirit. But that's our choice that we need to make. Now, talking about our two lists to filter, well, Paul goes on to talk about that. Verses 19 through 21, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. All those things that desires we should not satisfy, he goes right through them. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Those are the acts of the flesh. Those are the kinds of things that we don't have to wonder about. We don't have to investigate. We don't have to experiment. Is that desire okay? Scripture is very clear. It's not. And it won't take you to where you want to be. It won't help you be the person you want to be. It's not where God will smile. And it's not where the Spirit will lead you. But of course, he goes on to say, now if you're letting the Spirit lead you, these are the kinds of things that the Spirit will produce in your life. The desires you should satisfy. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the kinds of desires that God would say, yeah, follow those desires. Because they will take you to a place you want to be. Paul concludes with a final challenge. 
those who belong, and verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The reality that Paul learned and the reality that Solomon understood when he said we need to learn self-control and to say no to desires is that there are certain desires in us, all of us, that we need to crucify. Just as much as Christ had nails driven through his hands and he was left on that cross, there are desires that we need to say no to permanently. A nail through them that says, I will not do that anymore. That is not what God wants. It is not who I want to be. Spirit, help me to put a nail in this and to be done with this. That's self-control. That's putting our desires where they need to be. And part of the challenge of today as parents is to helping our children in that battle. And, and I know that's it's not easy. It's not easy today, especially when our kids are encouraged on every turn. Desires are good. Satisfied desires. Everybody's doing it. But to help our kids learn that we have to sit. We adults have to do it too. And so we need to help you learn how to do it. We have to filter our desires. And there's desires we need to say no to. And that part of that is involving God in His Word, the Spirit in us. So that we can know what is right and true and good. And be able to live that life safe from those things which will destroy ourselves. Even though we want them. They're not good for us. Self-control. Solomon says that is a principle we need to learn and teach our kids. Let's pray. Father, sometimes we scratch our heads when we think about how you've made us. Because we see desires that are destructive and we harm ourselves. And we get defensive and we want to blame everybody else, but some of those situations are of our own making. And yet, Father, we also see the joy of good desires to see a loved one and we get to see them, to see something beautiful that we get to enjoy, something that tastes wonderful and we get to savor it. Those good desires, we thank you for them and the joy they bring to us. So help us, Father, learn that lost art of self-control. To be able to crucify those desires which are not right. And help us with the Spirit's help to say yes to what you want us to do. I ask this in your Son's name.